There's too many homelosers, too many trimmers, but I like to watch them for rotten treasure. Hello, welcome to Rotten Treasure. We watched, uh, it was Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. I'm your host, Jim O'Donnell, and with me as always is the other host, Kai Bobby. Hi, Jim. Hi, Kai. How are you? Pretty good. Ready to talk about one of the best movies I've ever seen in my entire life. I'm so (laughs) happy to hear that. I feel like every week is the best movie we've ever seen. I'm I'm lying, Jim. I'm not going to lie about our guest here. Uh, (laughs) Smooth transition. Uh, (laughs) He is... An actor, improviser, writer, teacher, any and all of those is fine. No biggie. It's Rob O'Neill. Hey! I I forget that you do that every now and then. I forget that you read the whole thing. (laughs) I I have nothing in between. Rob, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Doing pretty good. Yeah, I would call it a solid like 7.5. Nice. That's so weird. Yeah. That's what I rated this movie on IMDb. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I actually believe you. Did you rate this? No, you can't do point, uh, five stars on IMDb. I don't know what I gave it. I'll look it up. But while I do that, Rob, uh, what is your relationship with uh, uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise in general? Okay, so um, I grew up uh, when, from when I was like six years old to 12 years old. My parents owned a video store. Um, so this was in like the late eighties, early nineties. Uh, my dad and his best friend, my godfather bought a video store way out in the suburbs. We, I grew up in Philadelphia. Um, but, uh, this was out in Lans Lansdale, uh, about 45 minutes away. There was just a video store for sale and they bought it. Um, so I grew up like watching a lot of movies. Um, and, uh, I used to go with my dad to the video store uh, in the summer when I didn't have school and I would be there all day and we had like a VCR and a TV set up in the back. So I used to watch a lot of stuff. Um, but I think like, especially when you're a kid and I think a lot of eighties and nineties kids have this, like the horror section at the video store was kind of like fearsome and alluring at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Because you would, right? You would walk down the horror oh. section, and usually, yeah. like, they would have, they'd be terrible. The movies themselves might be terrible, but the covers, like the VHS covers, were so suggestive. I was afraid of goosebumps. Yes, of course. I was afraid of turning the corner at the blockbuster when I was like, oh, there might be scary things on these covers. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Right. And my imagination ran wild with those. And anytime I actually watched the movies, I was always disappointed because yeah. horror movies in the 80s and 90s are not great no, it's uh, just a I, leprechaun I on a pogo stick that's not that scary i love them i love watching them so much but like they're, they're never what i imagined when i was a kid no. but right please continue <laughs> oh well so i was gonna say like that's that's the thing like you know when when i was six years old it was probably like or i i just remember being a kid in general being scared to walk down the section because there were so many monsters and and ghoulies and critters that were staring at you from the covers um but there was something about the fact that i would spend like summer days there i was in the back of a crowded video store where there were plenty of people around it was daylight like i think i was adventurous and i think not that i would have been able to articulate this at the time but i think there's something to horror fans about um when you watch horror movies 
especially when you watch them more than once, you're learning like their, their tricks and their rhythms. Mm -hmm. And you kind of, most horror fans have become desensitized to horror movies because yeah. they kind of analyze them. And I think I was doing that when I was a kid, because you'll see something like, um, like Ghoulies 2 has that cover where the ghoulie is coming out of the toilet. Um, <laughs> and that's like, have you seen this cover? No. I, I have. It, it, I have not. I know it sparked a fear in many children of the era. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But then when you see the movie, you're like, oh, there's nothing. That's a campy movie. Like, there's <laughs> nothing to be scared of. Um, so anyway, I, that's a long-winded way of saying I watched a lot of horror movies as a kid. Um, and I think that was when I first started watching Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, but... At, uh, since we we made plans to do this podcast, I went back and I rewatched the first one, and I rewatched the second one, um, and I don't think I like, I don't think I ever liked Nightmare on Elm Street that much. Right on. I okay. Think, yeah. I felt exactly the same. Like right. Rewatching because I loved it when I was in high school. I I was like, oh man, this, uh, this I'm watching all the classic uh, horror movies. This is great. And then watching it again, I'm like, I don't think, I think I really only like that one scene where Tina dies because that was so like interesting to watch. But like yeah. the rest of it's kind of a drag. It's not really well, it's not very well put together. And then the second one especially is famously not one of the better ones. It was bananas. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, when I, when I was a kid, like I loved the Halloween movies. I would watch, I watched all of them, even the bad ones I would watch over and over again. Um, the child's play movies. I did the same thing with Friday, the 13th movies. I liked a lot, but I think there was something about like, especially even in like the late eighties, Freddie was so ubiquitous. Like he was just everywhere. There was like Freddie merchandise, Freddie 900 numbers. There was like a new nightmare movie every year. And I know I skipped a lot of them just because I wasn't that, I don't know. It, it was just never that compelling to me. Wow. Um, and I think that it also might have to do with the other realization that I had. This brought out a lot of self-analysis. Because <laughs> I think um, I, I think part of it is uh, I don't like dream sequences. Mm. Oh, same. I, I I I'm just not interested at all in dream sequences, especially as I, I like I'm a I'm a reader. I hate when a book has a dream sequence because I think it might be this the the thing with like when they say with like improv it's like we're already lying to the audience why lie further dreaming is a lie so I yeah. hate hearing about the dreams you know I and, will oh, I'm sorry go ahead no you go Kai oh I was just gonna say uh the only thing that I hate like I, the thing is is that I hate how much I love knowing that it's a dream sequence like I yell that at the TV you know like I I I I know I'm a genius I am aware that this is clearly not really happening and it's like it, everyone in the room would know I'm just very I get mad <laughs> so yeah I'm not a big fan um but I do enjoy being right about that the little, like you see moment <laughs> always feels a little bit good yeah and I bringing it back to improv again, I think like there's um, uh, sometimes like if I'm teaching, sometimes I tell students like don't introduce too many unusual things into your scene because mm -hmm. then we'll end up in crazy town. And when you're in crazy town, nothing matters and there's no stakes, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's how I feel about like dream sequences, particularly in these movies. I think because it's a place where anything can happen, yeah. I'm less... Um, 
I'm less compelled by it. But I, I think that might just be me because I also kind of feel the same. I feel that same way about um, like fantasy movies, uh, Marvel movies, stuff like that. Like I'm just not, I'll catch one every once in a while. But I think because anything can happen, if someone's dead, that doesn't mean they're going to stay dead because we're using magic to tell the story. I think because magic is like a contrivance that the writer can use, I think there's something about that where I zone out a little bit. And I, I found myself doing that rewatching the first Nightmare movie. Mm-hmm. Where when mm-hmm. we were in the boiler room or whatever, I was let my I was thinking about what I was going to have for dinner. My mind was drifting mm-hmm. a little yeah. bit, which is not what you want when you should be scared. No, and and thinking on it, I don't think these movies even scared me when I was a, when I was a kid. Well, I think because usually what happens with horror series is the first two are considered scary. Again, with eighties movies, it we're a little it's a little too far away for it to still be scary for us. But like right, uh later on they get wacky whereas this one it's like the first two wait go ahead later on they get wacky there's like little tiny hot dogs like bursting up in a hot tub like becoming like i mean i mean horror franchises in general they always get wacky after a while and this one starts out a little wacky yeah and then also i think the problem with this one is with uh, nightmare on elm street is like you said with fantasy when there's magic involved you need to have rules for the magic or else it all goes out the window like nothing nothing makes sense it's all anything could happen so with uh nightmare on elm street they don't really establish the rules right away it takes them a couple movies for them to be like no he can only be in your dream he kills you in your dream and he tries to get out into the real world but he never does whereas the first two movies it's, it's him constantly trying to get out in the real world in this one in particular he uh he goes uh the main kid goes into other people's dreams and they die and it's it never makes any sense in this one and this is more of a possession story too because there's like long sequences where he's out in the real world in this movie yeah i feel like this movie doesn't have a lot of um oh maybe i'm wrong I guess, yeah, I I feel like most most of the movies, it's you're watching like a, a series of people get killed in their dreams. And I feel like this one really, maybe because it's just the second one and they hadn't figured it out yet, but it really deviates. Hmm. Yeah. I, and th- one of those, th- one of that, one of those things is they do deviate really hard because it's the second one and they haven't established rules yet. Uh, but they really, after this one, go right back to no it's only his it's only in their dreams like oh you can only kill you in your dream and i think that they can go in each other's dreams i don't remember that much though they do that in the first one though yeah they do they're in the same dream johnny depp goes into uh heather langenkamp's dream right um i'm excited not to jump too far ahead but i'm excited for the two of you because i haven't seen the third one in a long time i don't really remember it but i know by all accounts like critics audiences everyone says that's the best one yes um i think it's very common no i I think it's very common on this uh this podcast is you can spoil anything uh we spoil we (laughs) ruin shit for our (laughs) listeners we ruin shit for me but the best part is is my memory is such shit that it doesn't really work because I will forget and I'll be like, oh, yeah, I guess they did say that, you know, like way after I watched the movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I saved that one. I was going to rewatch it, but I haven't yet. But I'll, I'll mm-hmm. probably watch it when you drop that episode because I want to, like, go through it. But it's um, I know Patricia Arquette's in it. Yep. I believe it's written by Frank Darabont, who did The Shawshank oh. Redemption and The Green Is Mile. It? I think so. Yeah, I think he's involved with it. 
that would make sense because it is honestly the best one. The only one that would rival it is the seventh one. But in all honesty, when you watch the seventh one, it does kind of fall apart at parts. Is that New Nightmare? Yeah. Oh, it is Frank Darabont. Oh, yeah. yeah, look at that. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I was going to deviate for just a quick second. Uh, Patricia Arquette is one of the few people that I've... Uh, uh, what, what, I got to... Blah, blah, blah. I met her um, at a, a early screening of Boyhood. Have you any either one of you seen Boyhood? I I did too. Uh, it really touched me because I'm around the same age as the uh, as the boy in Boyhood. Right on. And it was interesting because I got to meet the boy. I don't remember the boy's name. And I got to be <laughs> Patricia Arquette. <laughs> I was more interested in meeting Patricia Arquette. But hello, boy. Uh, but... I feel, oh my god, actually, this is sad. I for, um, she was really uh, engaged in there with us because, unfortunately, she, uh, she got news, like, right before doing this, like, talkback thing with us that her, she had lost a friend, like, a friend of someone oh. of hers. Who, right. What a, And she shared that with us to be like, hey, I just want you all to know, like, this is where I'm at. So, like, if I see in a little out of it, it's because I am, but I'm really, I want to be here and I want to, like, and she let us just, like, see behind the curtain on that. That's that's something you don't see a lot of people do, but I was really like, all right, cool. All right. Well, I guess we're still going to talk about this movie though. Um, damn. That's a, really cool. I, I love her ever since what a trooper. True yeah. Romance, yeah. I oh. adore her. Yeah. Uh, and, sorry. No, I was just going to say, it's weird that holes is the other one. That's like a big one for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's wild. Yeah. That's weird. Cause I, I can only name, if you were to say name two Patricia Arquette movies, it would have been, the third Nightmare on Elm Street movie and Boyhood. I'm very excited to watch the next one. Then I did not know that she was going to be in it. Uh, yeah, true, so uh, is if you guys haven't seen True Romance, I got to put in a good word for that because she's so. Don't even know what that is. I should know things. I have seen True Romance. I just forgot that it, she's in it. Right, right. That was when I went through a Quentin Tarantino phase and watched everything he ever was involved in, except for It's Pat. Right. I'm not watching that movie. <laughs> Except for what? It's Pat. I forgot about that. Because he had, he was friends with Julia Sweeney, right? Because she turns up in Pulp Mm -hmm. Fiction. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. He he did an uncredited rewrite of that movie. And it has a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes because it's truly terrible. A a horrible premise for a movie. Horrible premise for the SNL skit. Hmm. uh, And it just really is bad. Does not hold up today by today's uh, gender standards um, at all. I even um, think that it doesn't hold up to the 90s gender standards. Ben, yeah. Well, I know people hated it. I know I did see that movie, but the only thing that I remember about it is that the band Ween turns up in it. <laughs> wow. I just know there's a long sequence with Ween, and I'll never, I'll never see it again. Isn't Ween the band that, like, every single song by them sounds completely different? Like, they do almost a new genre every song? Yeah, they're one of those. I'm not, I'm not like, a big Ween head or anything like that, but I feel like they're in... I could be very wrong about this, but I feel like they're in the same bucket as, like, Fish a little bit. Like, they're, they're okay. Fish adjacent. Okay. I, could, I could be wrong. But I, this, I feel like they've got the same type of fans, and they're always, like... I regard those guys at the party, but maybe we're not besties, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a, that's a very interesting way to refer to fish fans. Yeah. Cause it's like, yeah, yeah. I know those guys. I'm not uh, like, yeah. I wouldn't say we're friends, but I know those guys, right. but they are really hardcore into, into weed. 
No, but those you should keep an eye on them though, because you're those are fishy <laughs> friends. Yeah, 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 fishy friends. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And ween, they're not ween heads. Actually, they're uh, weenie huts. Like uh, we are. Yeah. I'm a. Uh, I'm really excited. So far, the quote to beat right now that you've done so far is, uh, "I'm not a ween. I'm not a ween head or anything." <laughs> um, so, who knows? We never know what the quote's going to be from the episode, but. <laughs> That's a good one to beat so, so far. So far, I've shit on the Nightmare on Elm Street series. I've shit Great. on Ween and Fish yeah. fans. Let's see who else we can well, hit. If you want to just like name five things you want to shit on, go right ahead. <laughs> no. but I'll, I'll save it to the end. I'll go on okay, a long great. Time. Okay. <laughs> Just end <laughs> the show on a rant. Just go yeah. on. <laughs> things you ate. <laughs> and another thing. <laughs> and the whole state of Vermont. <laughs> wow. Coming up Vermont. Oh, gosh. That was, I think that was one of my favorite, I'm going to call it notes I heard after a, a show that we had went to. Kai and I saw a show and Rob Aliciani had made fun of New Hampshire, Kai? Yeah. Yeah. So Kai goes up to Rob and was like, oh, by the way, I'm from New Hampshire and everything you said, all the things you said to shit on it is completely true. And Rob said, here's a note for, <laughs> here's a note for improv for you. Uh, if someone says a state, just shit on it. Because yeah. people from the state hate mm-hmm. that state, and everyone yeah. who doesn't live in that state hates that state. Yeah, I hate New Hampshire. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. The only thing I hate New Hampshire, or the only thing I hate it, or like the other thing I really hate is how right he was. I was like, ah! <laughs> so true. Uh, yeah. And he also made fun of Lyft drivers, which at the time I was doing, so that was good. Not like made fun of <laughs> Just gave a, a gentle ribbing to It's fine. I'm not upset. Uh it happens yeah that was a they took my suggestion and then it just so happens that they ended up dogging on me the entire time that's actually happened here uh recently at huge um i gave the suggestion uh of a bop it they asked for like a childhood toy um and they asked me when i played with it and i was like i don't know like 10 to 15 you know I didn't mean to say 15, but then they decided to do a show about, a, like, you know, high schoolers, one of which who would bring a bop it to high school. <laughs> Actually, spe- specifically a bop it extreme to high school. Um, yeah, if anybody's in Minneapolis listening to this, go see the Shrieking Harpies whenever they're uh, available at Huge, because their musical is amazing. By the way, this was a musical. Uh, at one point, someone made the decision to make it a void. They, they Like, a bop it sucked them into a void, where all of the people who were working on their, like, you know, big first day of school problems all worked it out because the bop it was just like, believe it, challenge it, question it. <laughs> um, one of the people kept yelling uh, every now and then, flick it. And eventually they were just like, flick what? What are you telling me to flick? <laughs> <laughs> but I just appreciated the fact that they, uh, they, they're not, if they're going to bully me, which as we know, I do not like, uh, I'm glad that it, that it was in a in a nonsense way where everyone got to work their shit out inside of Bop It. Because I'm right. here for it. How is um how's Minneapolis doing as far as like the comedy scene goes? Is there are there shows happening? Yeah. Uh shows are happening. Uh I think every day except for Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh cool. they are doing it. Yeah. Um it, they're really happy to be back up. They just had a twenty four hour improvathon uh last week. I was able to catch some of that. Um yeah, so yeah, I, I'm I'm happy that they're doing well. Yay, theaters making it through a pandemic. That's great. Good to hear. I'm happy to hear that. Oh heck yeah, yeah. I uh, I actually just took a class uh, that unfortunately my teacher had to uh, 
got sick and wasn't able to continue the class, but Jill Bernard took over. And someone was just, uh, Jill showed up. She was like, hey, do you mind if I teach the class? I was like, <laughs> like fangirled out real hard. I was like, hey. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's fine. So yeah, I had a lovely class with Jill Bernard. If you get to do that, uh, folks, if you're listening to this, do go take an improv class. Go take an improv class. I'm going to do a promo for you right now. Go take an improv class with, with Rob. Mm. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I got one coming up in. Uh, well, I, I know it's not like plug time, but I do oh, have one coming up. In it's always plug time. <laughs> it's plug time right now. <laughs> it's the first class I'll be teaching. That's like I've done uh, one class that was like um, for Crossroads Comedy Theater. The way we did it was we it was an eight week class, but they split it up between instructors. Mm-hmm. So instructors would teach two classes at a time. And I thought that was kind of cool because then the yeah. students get like different perspectives and different muscles get worked. And, um, but in January, I'm doing like a six week class that's just on, um, uh, inspiration, like pulling from, uh, pulling premise from monologues and things like that. So Mm. I'll make sure if someone comes in with a bop it story, you milk that bad boy for all it's worth. That's going to be my first lesson. You hope to God that someone says that they were 15 years old when they mm-hmm. said they played with a boppin. <laughs> and then you'll be like, I've got some scenes already for you. What's great is that the person who got the suggestion was the only one out of the three that didn't know what a boppin was. So they had no context. I was just like, you know, like spin it and flick it and pull it. She, she's just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Uh, so yeah. Yeah, that's kind of hard to explain if you don't know. It, if that doesn't conjure an image right away, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, I found it wild. <laughs> yeah, you you spin yeah. it, you flick it, you pull it. What <laughs> again? Because all you do is you just go, oh, it's a bop it, you know, like you bop it, and it's like you just explained it with the word that it is. Like you can't do that to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's totally fair. Uh, I got what I deserved. I really did, and I'm 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 so happy. Oh, well, I... you ate it. You did teaching. I'm I'm happy for you. Hell yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, it's good. Um. Yeah, it's been a while. I haven't taught like a full class since before the pandemic. Mm. And I used to work, uh, I used to work in downtown Philadelphia. And I've talked to a lot of like people from the comedy scene here. Everyone's kind of shocked at how much time we used to spend doing comedy activities. Like Mm -hmm. I know there were certain weeks where I would be out five nights a week, either teaching or rehearsing or doing shows or seeing shows, whatever. And now I, since the pandemic, I started working from home. And I can't imagine going back to, I, I live I live in Northeast Philadelphia, so it's like a little bit more of a hike to get downtown. Mm-hmm. It takes a, it's, it's a different world now. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I, Kai, Kai, we had talked about this, I think via uh, instant message, but like it's, I'm, I'm picking my battles as far as what I'm going to go yeah. do instead of being like really available and, and over um, overextended, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You could, you could see a lot of, uh, I I would say like right before pandemic, you could see a lot of like a lot of the veteran comedians definitely getting like strung out and like start and feeling, you could start to feel that with them where they're like, "I'm, I'm really tired. I'm doing everything. Even myself, I was doing things probably like three or four nights a week, Mm -hmm. just, just the improv things, not even going out and seeing people. And it's it's weirdly tough to do. And I had a moment, I think it was the last time uh, Crossroads had a series of shows. They had like three or four shows in a row, and it just went to all of them. And I was like, oh, I forgot this is what it was like to just yeah, like, right. like, oh, it's Thursday. I got nothing better to do. Let's go to the, right. let's go to the theater, watch a bunch of shows. 
I was here. I was I I was that person who would clock out of my lift job and be like, you know, there's money to be made, but instead I'm gonna go see improv with Jim. <laughs> yeah, I I I actually I'm I think I think it did that for a lot of people to shake you up to be like, okay, cool. Uh, I should probably diversify my energy <laughs> and my eggs a right. little bit, you know, figure out which basket to put them in. And like, uh, yeah, right. I, I yeah, it made us think that's, about it a little bit more. I think that's a question I'd have for you, Rob. Actually, uh. Do you find that, uh, do you find you do like your better, of your opinion, work stuff when you're in the middle of uh, stretching your, yourself out too thin or like when you feel like you're living life outside of improv? Oh, that's a good question. And I'm not sure. You know, that is a good question. One we're going to answer right after this commercial break. Hello everyone, this is Robert with the Watching It Podcast. We're a show that covers TV and movies. Join me and my co-host Donnell each week to talk about shows like Loki, The Lower Decks, Snowpiercer, Palm Springs, and Collateral. You can find us at watchingitpod.com or anywhere you get your podcast. Hey everyone, it's the other host here with some great news. We have ourselves our first Captain's Log Patreon tier member. Thank you so much, Crimson, for joining us. Uh, For those of you who do not know, Rotten Treasure does have a Patreon where you can gain access to uh, voting power in upcoming franchises, early release episodes, extra bonus recap episodes, and that's not all. You can also, with the Captain's Log tier, uh, you can promote a business, an organization, uh, something you're proud of yourself. You can just promote pretty much anything within reason, maybe not a cult. We'll, st- we'll start with not, yeah, no, no cults, please. Uh, but Crimson would like to give a special shout out this week to Huge Theater in Minneapolis, Minnesota. There is a wonderful improv theater where you can go to see shows every single night of the week except for Tuesdays. Within the shout out, there's a special shout out to Monday nights, show X, 8 p.m. Folks, you can get in to a show at 8 o'clock, get your laugh on, get home by 9.30, and go to bed like a responsible adult. Crimson and I did it. We had a blast. We think it was great. If you don't think so, don't come crying back to us. You're wrong. Let's get back to the show. Thanks, Crimson. Do you find that, uh, do you find you do like your better, of your opinion, work stuff when you're in the middle of uh, stretching yourself out too thin or like when you feel like you're living life outside of improv? Oh, that's a good question, and I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. I think there's an argument to be made for both because when you're really in the thick of it, you're you're not rusty. You know what I mean? Like you're if you're doing a lot of shows, you're kind of in shape to do a lot of shows, mm-hmm. and then, but then you also need that break because you need to kind of like go out. If especially if you're improvising, you kind of need to go live a life and have stories and 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 meet people, things that you need to be able to pull from, even if it's just like pop culture or whatever. So yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think, I think it's, I think there's probably a, like a balance that you have to find for it. And right now I think I'm more toward the, the rusty end of the spectrum, but that's more than like, Oh, I'm cozy at home. I don't want to, leave, I don't want to <laughs> like, I don't have a good, there's no nobility to it where it's like, Oh, I'm just recharging my batteries, trying to have some life experience. <laughs> yeah. it's like, that's not it. But yeah. 
No, I, I, I hear you on that. Like, I don't, I, I kind of, I, I'm grateful to have just taken a class fresh uh, recently because it reminded me to, like, observe more people. Basically, people watch more and pick up, like, on the way that people's react, people, like, responses to things. Not just, like, verbally, right. but how people, like, viscerally or, like, physically, like, how they'll move around based off of that. Um, one of my favorite gets uh, from someone, and I've yet to use it, is uh, this person... Uh, I was went to a wedding and th- there was a person who like drove a bus in between where the wedding was and like down to this uh like, like pier and like in between it was like all these old houses so they were like giving us a tour of like who lived in the houses how long they've been built and every now and then there was kind of something kind of depressing and just go so anyway <laughs> just like drift <laughs> off into another random thing and he must have said so anyway uh like twenty times. <laughs> And I, I was the, I lost it. I, I mean, at a certain point, I got other people giggling, you know, and I felt bad because I didn't mean to like, I didn't mean to, I don't, I don't mean to like make fun of his mannerism. I celebrate it. I need that you know, on stage. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's it tickles you. It's that little thing. It's that unusual thing. That little like kernel that you put in your pocket that you know that you can ex- exploit is a bad word for it, but for <laughs> no, it's, it's I, yeah. I put it in there as more of a wild card that I don't like all of a sudden do by accident because that happens all the time. I love when I, I'm more interested when I just have random shit that comes up that because I was being curious or just like in a scene that I was like, all right, well, didn't know that I would pull from that reality. <laughs> um, so I, it's just a, I, I think of it as like, yeah, it's in my pocket, but so is a lot of other random shit. There's a lot of stuff sure. in that pocket to dig through. So who knows what yeah, I'll grab. And it. that's the thing is that when, when you are well-practiced, I feel like, and you're really you're really um in the zone and just present and not worried not worried about what you're going to say next but just just literally present and reacting that's when that stuff the right thing will come out of your pocket at the right time just because you have it there you're you're filled in that way yeah i think it's kind of the only way i want to continue doing improv it, like it feels yeah. good when that happens and when i'm not doing it i feel a little bit dirty i'm like ugh <laughs> right. what was that yeah <laughs> Yeah, we'll see as we as we all slowly like crawl back into it. Uh, it's so hard. Uh, I like I like getting in my head sometimes and trying to think about how to make smart moves. Like it's it's fun to be like, oh cool, I did the thing. I thought critically about how improv works. Uh, yeah. But also in the ready for this in the same way that sometimes you take notes during a movie, sometimes you just watch it. <laughs> right. You know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, most times you watch a movie, you're not breaking it apart for an hour and a half uh, the next day after you watched it. <laughs> right. Right. Even though we never break it apart. that I've We've we've talked to some people about Beyond the Podcast, and they're like, oh, no, I just don't have that kind of analytical mind. I'm like, we're, go- we're probably going to talk about literally not the movie for <laughs> more than half of the podcast. <laughs> if not, some people, someone came on, we didn't talk about it at all. I think it was a, a Victor Tran. He came on, and he was like, yeah, I don't, I'd didn't even finish watching the movie. I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> oh no! No. And, he was, and we were like, "Perfect. We don't want to talk about it either." Yeah. I do have thoughts about this movie, though. Yeah. Um, no, I, I get into them. I mean, I do. I do. If you would I, like to. I think specifically. Yeah. Uh, I think we have to get into this movie at least a little bit. Yeah. So, um, what did you? Just out of curiosity, I'm just curious what what you guys think. What were your impressions of it? Jim, you're up. Um, it was a lot, I, we, I said this before, it was a lot more confusing, uh, than the first one. Um, but I do remember, I, I had read a long time ago that it's supposed to be an allegory for him being, 
uh, uh, gay but closeted. And I remember being like, wow, that's so clever that they did that. And then this time watching around, I kept that in mind. And I was like, wow, that's super problematic. Because the villain is his gayness. That's really yes. terrible. And the writer actually fully was like, yeah, yeah. I th- like, I thought that the scariest thing for a teenage boy would be is to be gay. And I was like, ooh, that's not the kind of person I want writing a movie with a gay allegory. Ugh. Yeah, it's about who writes it for me. It's a big thing about who writes it. That's how I feel about a lot of content. So did you, uh, Kai, I know you didn't get a chance to watch it, but Jim, did you, do you know about the documentary Scream Queen? Oh, is that the one made by Mark Patton? The Yes. I didn't watch it. I found out about this last night though, and I was going to watch it today. No. It's really good. I was, I was telling Kai, like it's, I don't think it would win any awards on a technical level. It's kind of a low budget documentary, but the subject matter is fascinating. Um, So basically just like a quick rundown. Um, Mark Patton stars in Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Mm -hmm. Um, That movie has grown a reputation for being a gay allegory. That's not favorable because the sexual, the character's sexuality is sort of the monster. Mm -hmm. the surface and if you if you take the movie as a face value allegory the ending kind of says like well the best thing to do is ignore the monster and it'll go away just right put it deep down inside it's like meryl streep okay Um, (laughs) oh okay (laughs) wait that's so wild you said that because the whole time my girlfriend get going is that meryl streep and i was like it's definitely not (laughs) she's like well is it her daughter and i was like I know her daughter was probably born around the time this movie was made. Right. Yeah, so no. No, she just anyway. looks remarkably like young Meryl Streep. Um, oh, that's wild you said that. Uh, please continue. So Mark Patton made, had this movie made. I, mean, I think he's a producer on it. I don't know how. The weird thing about the documentary, and it's called Scream, mm-hmm. Queen, exclamation point, My Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, basically what happened to Mark Patton was, um, he was like an up and coming actor. He had worked, he was in a Robert Altman movie, uh, mm-hmm. called come back to the five and dime, Jimmy Dean, Jimmy Dean with Cher, Karen Black, um, San- Sandy Dennis is in it. I forget. It's got a really good cast. Um, but he plays trans Robert in that Altman. movie, like a young trans trans girl pre transition. Oh, and boy. then, um, later on in the movie, Karen Black plays his older self who's since transitioned, I'm sure that movie doesn't hold up today. Yeah. There's probably a lot of antiquated ideas in that movie, but, but at the time it was it was embraced. I mean, the, their hearts were in the right place. Look, at this time, this kid did a movie with Cher. Let's just acknowledge that. Like in this moment, <laughs> <laughs> right? And had he talks in the movie in the documentary about having like a personal relationship with Cher, Cher giving him tips about the business. Like uh, he was on his way up, Mark Patton, mm-hmm. and then he got cast in A Nightmare on Elm Street too. And what's interesting about this movie is that. It comes out almost like a year to the day after the first one, mm-hmm. which means that it's a rushed movie. Right. They yeah. saw that the first one made money and they said, we need another one of these right away, um, which is never a good sign as far as quality goes. It just When you write it on set, yeah, in. probably not good. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so they interview the screenwriter in Screen Queen. Um, I forget his name I, and I didn't write it down, but uh, he is like a, like a straight dude. I don't think he was that thoughtful. But I also don't think he meant I don't think he meant harm. I think he just wrote a piece of shit movie really fast. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, right. But yeah, it's what I like about 
the, the documentary Scream Queen is it gets really personal with Mark Patton because this movie derailed his career entirely because people thought he was too feminine in it. And in the mid 80s, that was a no, no. Um, right. He got Even into a feud with the screenwriter because the screenwriter kind of blamed him for it and yeah. said, no, the movie's not intentionally gay. But then later reversed course on that and said, well, actually, it was, you know, it's just not maybe not that thoughtful. I will say one of my favorite things, though, was between the two of them, um, there was also the director who had no idea. Like Mm. everyone on set was like, oh, yeah, he had no idea that it was uh, a gay allegory. That guy was just like blissful the entire time, just directing and being like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep saying lines like uh, uh, he's inside of me. He's 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 living inside (laughs) me and he and he and he wants to come out like (laughs) These are all good things. Yeah, yeah, yeah more right. sweat on this naked boy. I mean, come on, look at right. the photograph. What's going on here? Uh, this whole right. scene, and for everyone listening, it's him holding a what? What is he holding on to during this scene? I want to say it was one of those like, like ball in a cup kind I of things. I don't know. I it, it popped out. I want to call it a poppet, but I don't know if that's because we were talking about it. <laughs> it's a poppet, anyways. No, but I mean, like, there was this whole bedroom like dance scene where he like cleans his room and just like taps his butt against the fucking dresser. Like, it's such like a like. I was I was so happy watching this. I was like, good for you. Look at you living your life, living your best life. But I was also like, I wasn't born in 1984, but I was born in 1987, three years after this movie. But honestly, uh, having come out way later in my life, if I had watched this movie, I would have been like, oh, all right, I love those feelings. Uh, like, <laughs> I would have been like, oh, okay, cool. Like, they made a they made a fun, uh, like, hey, how's it going? I'm the cute boy from my school movie. Yeah. I would have been like, okay, cool. Maybe something to this. Yeah, sure. But I can look it's it a shame, though, because I feel like if they were they were they would not have gotten away with this in 1985. But if they really dug into the gay stuff in the movie, mm-hmm. like if they really did make him gay instead of just alluding to it, right. um, this could be a really interesting movie. There, There is an interest. I don't I can't think of one specifically, but I feel like there's an interesting movie to be made yeah. where. Yeah. You're haunted by some presence because you're not wreck. You're you're suppressing your sexuality but then the ending would be uh, the happy ending would be that you let it out not that you suppress it more you know yeah i I think it's uh, freddy's the wrong character because at the end of every nightmare on elm street movie he has to die somehow they have to they have to kill him off and usually they kill him off with like (laughs) a pipe bomb or like uh but by ignoring him so he's completely the wrong vessel for this but there's definitely a vessel where there's definitely a, mo- a movie monster where it could be someone is haunted by how they're gay. And then the ending is they accept it. They they accept right. that this is a part of them and it's not a really a monster. Right. I don't know. He's like, I, you know what? Maybe I am Freddy Krueger. And then he lives. A, the next movies don't exist. And instead, he just gets his life together. Still is Freddy Krueger with those hands and looks like that. But <laughs> <laughs> he's both Freddy and himself. But like, you know, together. He has like a suit and tie. Gets his shit together. Gets a good yeah. job. He meets yeah. a nice partner. They settle down. They adopt a special needs child. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. That's the that's the movie I, I'm not going to see, I'm sure. For the rest yeah. of the, the movies, yeah, no. No, 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 it's no, no. More of it's more of the same, uh, but different. Uh, I, it, uh, go ahead. 
Oh, I was going to say, so So just to go back to Scream Queen really quick, because I Please so do. highly recommend it to anybody listening. Yeah. Um, Mark Patton gets really intimate in it and talks about, you know, his life after this movie, how uh, he lost his he lost his lover to AIDS because this all come, this is 1985. So this is just like the, you know, the height of the AIDS epidemic. Mm-hmm. Um, he is also HIV positive. He's a survivor. Um, but it wasn't an easy road. He talks about that because he was on a lot of experimental drugs and like the early days of Shit. AZT and all the like the cocktails that they would pe- put people on. Like um, he has some really fascinating things to say. Uh, and also um, it culminates in uh, for a long time. He kind of he gave up his career as an actor. He moved to Mexico mm-hmm. um, and just kind of forgot about his past as, as, you know, uh, a young Hollywood star, not that he was ever, he was an up and comer. I don't think he was ever had like name recognition. Yeah. Um, but he kind of, uh, he comes back throughout the course of the documentary and he goes to a horror convention where they're reuniting the cast of a nightmare on Elm street too. And what's really touching about it is the director's there, the girl who plays his girlfriend in the movie, mm. uh, the, the really attractive best friend who who you feel the homoeroticism yeah, with, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah. oh you mean um, like when he uh, can't uh, make out with his girlfriend, so he goes to his best friend's house who's naked and bad, and he says, you want to sleep with me? <laughs> yeah. Exactly, yeah. And the director was like, yeah, I don't, yeah, this is a great horror. <laughs> <laughs> right. What are you guys talking about? I don't understand. You guys keep saying my lines are weird. Anyways, keep saying those things, yeah. Um, uh, so they're, they're in it. Also the, the coach, Marshall Bell, a really good character actor. Uh, the guy, the coach that's killed the leather daddy coach that gets killed in the shower. Oh yeah. Oh, the yeah. one that was in the fetish club. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Oh, boy. Um, they all reunite at a, at a horror convention and they sit down and have a conversation together. And it's really touching how supportive all these actors are of him and his, mm-hmm. you know, struggle. And he's, he's holding on to a lot of like, resentment because he kind of got like he kind of got outcast and bullied on the internet for years uh for this movie by a lot of misogynistic horror fans um a lot of homophobic horror fans uh so it's just kind of him reclaiming this movie and what what also happens is they go to a lot of um like midnight movie screenings hosted by like drag queens like i think they interview um Peaches Christ is a really notable one who runs Midnight Mass in uh, San Francisco. Peaches Christ is interviewed. There's another drag queen. I wish I wrote down her name. I forget where she's based. But um, you see audiences, like queer audiences, watching this movie and kind of reclaiming the movie, mm-hmm. even though it is a pro- it's technically the allegory is problematic. If you're watching it with a big crowd of people, like there's a lot to enjoy and laugh about, I think, That's, too, to appreciate yeah. it in kind of like an ironic way. That's. Um, I was gonna so say that. That's really nice too. Yeah, I was gonna say that that one of the uh, silver linings of this movie is that a queer audience did find it and did find some and did find it enjoyable or meaningful in some way, despite the fact it's uh, it's very problematic, especially towards them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, and then I'm sorry, I'm spoiling Screen Queen, but uh... no, go ahead. I mean, well, actually, I mean, so, only so much because I, I there will be a description in this uh, this episode. So, like, please do watch this, everybody. But go ahead. Yeah. So uh, it's on Shutter. I think it's a Shutter exclusive. So if you have Shutter, which I, I like. It's like five yeah, don't watch it on Amazon Prime. We'll watch it on Shutter. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, 
he uh oh okay so his biggest beef is with the screenwriter because like like we said um the screenwriter denied that he intended it as uh, to have gay themes Mm -hmm. and then later once it became popular once once the gay community kind of embraced that the movie um Mm -hmm. which you know in a small a small subculture embraced the movie you know of Mm -hmm. of, like queer horror fans yeah then he kind of copped to it and took credit for it so mark Patton had big beef with the screenwriter and the movie culminates in a sit down between the two of them which is like pretty tense and heated um and i I won't spoil that but that's that's sort of like the, the the culmination of the movie is yeah sort of these two people hashing it out over their over their differences and, and the hurt that that Mark's had over the years. Um, I don't know. It's it's a really interesting movie. I've never seen anything quite like it that goes so especially if you've seen Nightmare on Elm Street 2, like this is this is the documentary is better than Nightmare on Elm Street 2. And it's like it's so <laughs> a lot of movies are though. <laughs> yeah, right, right. But it's it's so um it's so unexpected and it's and it is really it's it's really touching ultimately. You're making me want to do a mini episode on the documentary, but I feel like that's rude to the documentary because <laughs> it's I feel gonna like we're ex- currently doing uh, right. a mini episode on it. Right, right, that's fair. Right. When you guys do your, I don't know if you guys have a Patreon, but when you do that, do a do a Scream Queen episode. Oh jeez, yeah. Yep. All right, new bonus episode, and that's like the twentieth one we've promised thus far. Everyone, <laughs> <laughs> find it on our Patreon. We do have a Patreon, but that's not going to be there. Mate, do it like a five minute episode. You want to do that? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, cool. That will be on our exclusively on our Patreon. (laughs) Exclusively on Shutter. Um just just to recap, Rob hates Nightmare on Elm Street and Fish fans loves Mm. Scream Queen My Nightmare on Elm Street. (laughs) (laughs) These are facts. I I did always think it was interesting that they the the screenwriter kept blaming the actor that there were these gay I'll call them overtones, really, uh, of the movie. But all of the things that would be considered gay in the movie are within, like, the plot and all that. Like, it's not like the actor came in and was like, oh, yeah, I should run into uh, when uh, the coach dies. uh, Could he be stripped completely naked while I'm also in the shower and then uh, get tied up because he's he was uh, founded a fetish club? Can we make that like a... uh, a big part of it, and they're like, I guess so, yeah. if you say so. Like, no, you know, screenwriter wrote that in. <laughs> they were just shuffling papers, and someone showed up with a few extras. They're like, hey, do you mind just throwing those? You're like, yeah! <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll do that. Yeah, why not? Yeah. yeah, it's weird to call, it's weird to blame that on the actor. And, and it's, it is right. a shame that the actor is really, Mark Patton is really the one who got completely fucked by this entire situation. Right. They blamed they blamed everything on him. And I do I think the movie was successful just by virtue of the fact that it was the sequel to a hit horror movie and they made so many more. But um, but yeah, anything that people didn't like about it, they kind of laid at his feet. I think the screenwriter even says like, yeah, I wrote in the script that he screams. I didn't say he screams like a girl, you know, mm. so kind of like throw the, he, he really did throw him under the bus. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but it is so nice. The, the, I think my favorite part is the other actors from the movie, how supportive they are. Like, cause they asked them, the, they interviewed them about like, did you know that there was a gay subtext in the movie? And they were like, yeah, I don't, I don't care. Like they were all like, we're, we're actors in the eighties. Like we had, you know, even, even the straight guys are like, all my friends were gay. Like, I don't yeah. get, you know what I mean? It doesn't bother <laughs> us, you know, that's, that's really nice. I don't know. I, I, they're, they, um, they're really well represented in it. I think that's everyone great. that was 
involved minus the the screenwriter. I mean, yeah, they were there too. It's good that they didn't just be like, you know, gaslight the shit out of them. They're like, yeah, no, we were there. Right. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. We remember. He said like the crew was the first one to mention it to him. Like one of the crew mm-hmm. members was like, you like, it sounds kind of gay with the things you're saying. And he's like, oh my God, it is. Oh, what is going on right now? Yeah, specifically, there's a scene where Freddie has him, I think, at the bottom of the stairs, and Freddie's like, kind of like caressing his face with the yes, the knife this was, I read this too. And there was something like I think Robert Englund was wanted to put because Robert Englund claims he picked up on it right away and and wanted to sort of feed into it, you know what I mean, to play the homoeroticism of it. Notice my hand, I got my hand up like I'm Freddie. But um, <laughs> no, thank like, you. I, I like it. it. No, it's. Get me in it. Yeah, <laughs> he was like, "Can I put? I kind of want to put the a finger in your mouth." And then I think that's when one of the crew guys was like, "Don't again." It's 1985, but he's like, "This will kill your career. You're gonna look like yeah, his which, like boy toy. You you can't do that, you know." Yeah, which it at that time would have killed his yeah. career. Uh, un, right. Unfortunately, it, yeah, it did any it did anyway. Yeah, you know, even what what is in the movie, which is thinly veiled but still veiled was enough to that he no one was casting him uh, to play at least like the, the romantic male lead in anything you know yeah right. you're not gonna sell because you're gonna get made fun of which fucking sucks yeah yeah thank oh god yeah i am very grateful for everyone who's done work to make it so i can do comedy where i'm not my queerness is not the butt end of the joke uh or right. like i have to deal with that being like a casual thing that i'm performing with now i'm sure it will at like open jams and shit like that i'm i i'm i'm sure i've literally i'm just forgetting times in which someone was blatantly homophobic with me in the middle of a scene with me that <laughs> but yeah I, i'm oh i'm so grateful that it's just more often not the case um right you know yeah we get to uh, you get to stand on the the shoulders of giants kind Pretty of thing. Much. yeah literally fought and died so many oh, people yeah. literally lost their lives for Ugh. so that so that we could live freely mm-hmm. um and that's that is if you're gonna have a takeaway i mean that's a good takeaway from a nightmare on elm street too. let's just say there's you gonna know, be some donation there's gonna be some de- yeah no there's donation yeah. options in the comments on this episode everybody <laughs> let's just put it that way <laughs> uh but yeah no oh shit yeah, I feel this was a weird one to watch because once I knew that, I was like, "Oh shit! All right, I'm a queer person. I gotta have like a feelings. I, like I gotta go in like hot. What are my what are my hot takes? You know, like what am I gonna what am I gonna you know what am I gonna yeah. report back? Uh, but instead, I just this would be one of those movies where I literally just allowed myself to watch it. I was just like, I'm not gonna overthink this shit too much. I'm just gonna uh, enjoy a person just dancing around their room and having a good time. And I want honestly, I want a butt. I want to close my dressers with my butt more after seeing this. That's what this movie made me want to do. Yeah. You get to enjoy it the way that I originally watched it. <laughs> when I was like 16 or 17 and I was just like, yeah, fun horror movies. Let's just watch them. Like, this is cool. I like when the guy gets stabbed a bunch. Like, yeah. Oh, uh, he got defeated by the power of love. Ew. <laughs> uh. I, uh, right, I, got- I think. The- oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go for it. I have a question that's going to take us completely somewhere different. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, I think the last time I saw... So uh, the other thing is that I work for a company um, called TLAgay.com, TLA mm-hmm. Entertainment. Um, and we, what I do is I kind of sell um, 
gay themed movies, usually indie or foreign films. Okay. Um, so I have to keep a lot of like gay themed films on my radar. And I think that was how a long while ago I first found out that this was, you know, had the oh, reputation wow. that it did. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I think that was the first time I saw it because I, I kind of, like I said, th- this wasn't my favorite franchise. So I would skip. I know I didn't see all the Nightmare movies. I saw like the first one, the third one, New Nightmare. Oh, there was one with Roseanne and, and Tom Arnold. I think you, her in it. If you watched one, three and seven, you watched all of them that you need to see. I Four, five, no and six idea. are really, are really terrible. Yeah. It's high. It's going to be a slog. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Okay. Okay. Um, but so that's Roseanne? how it got her. But anyways, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, she's in one. It's like a no, cameo. I, I it's it's very quick. I don't want to talk about quick. it now. I don't want to talk about it then. Anyways, yeah. you were saying. <laughs> um, I think uh, the last time I watched this, though, this but this must have been the third time I saw it because I did a thing one Halloween where I decided to watch the sequels in franchises, mm-hmm. just the first sequel, because I thought that would be really interesting to see. Like, okay, you have this hit horror movie. How do people follow it up? Right. Um, anyway, that was an interesting experiment. Halloween two, it's decent. Friday the Thirteenth two, pretty good. This one, I did like that one. Noteworthy. It's it's a weird. Whether, even though it doesn't work, it's 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 an interesting movie. It's got Temple of um, Doom vibes. It's just like, what is this? But also, I guess right. like for some of us, we're gonna be like, call classic, sure. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. You do bring up a good point where like the sequel is kind of like they're not really sure what direction they're going to take it in. Like if you, if you've ever seen the star Wars Halloween special where they were, that was at a time where they were like, yeah, we don't know where star Wars could go someday. They had no idea that empire strikes back was ever going to come out. So they were just like, let's just make a goofy thing with B Arthur and uh, a bunch of Wookiees. Like, let's see how wacky we can get with this. Like, that's what star Wars is. It's wacky. And then over time they're like, no, it's kind of more of a space. It's more of a space drama type of thing. Right. And it's even more interesting to me, like the one thing I really like about this one or not like about it, but that I think is interesting is that it was so rushed that it came out a year later. Mm. Um, That's just interesting to me. The only other thing that it reminds me of um, Scream 2, I remember came out like within a year of the first one. Oh, no. Um, and I don't. I didn't like Scream Two at all. Uh, oh, back to Wes Craven. I think maybe I just don't like. I I like some Wes Craven, uh, but not like. Oh, sorry. This is a diatribe, but like Last House on the Left skeeves me. Well, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's he in the seventies. His idea of horror movies was I just want to make people like feel uncomfortable, and he made yeah. he, he did his job. Uh, whether or not I like that is uh, up for debate, but <laughs> yeah, I can, I can, I've seen that. Uh, no, I, I never want to see either of those again. But um, yeah, I like like people under the stairs. I, I don't know. I, I think he's not maybe not the greatest director because I feel like even even a movie like Scream, which I think Scream is kind of a masterpiece, but I think that's because it's really smart and well written. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. in another director's hands, it would be just as good, if not better, with all respect to Wes Craven who I know is an icon for a reason but um I think that would be a testament to the fact that at that point he was well polished and he was right. able to make that movie and make it successfully because he had done a bunch of honestly pretty crappy movies cuz I one of the things I one of the things I had I don't know if I mentioned it last week but I noticed during the first uh Nightmare on Elm Street was that he knows what motif is he clearly has like an idea 
but he has no idea how to use it. Like he keeps going back to the boiler room and it's like supposed to represent something, but it's also clear he doesn't quite know what it's supposed to represent. He just knows it's supposed to be repeated because that's what motifs are. Right. Yeah, that movie, the first one felt sloppy to me, rewatching it. Yeah. I hadn't seen it in a long time, but watching it this time, I was like, I think this is a classic because people really like the concept and Freddy became so, people really liked Freddy at some point in the 80s because, I mean, Will Smith is famous because he wrote a song about <laughs> Freddy. Like, that was his oh. first uh, yeah. breakthrough, you know? Yeah, he um, did. But, uh, That'll also oh, be in the say? description. Jesus Christ, really? <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, wow. A Nightmare on My Street. That's like, I think that's pre-Fresh Prince. Jesus Christ. It was Will like, Smith it was supposed to be his... It was supposed to be his first uh, single. I think it was supposed to be in one of the movies and they turned it down. I could be wrong about that. Their loss. <laughs> I, I, I get that he had to become marketable, but I'm I'm kind of frustrated with how much they showed him in this movie. Like, it just made him less scary. You know, I was just like, okay, he's yeah. there. You know, you, you're... Uh, I think my feeling about like now that I'm an adult watch like when I watch Scream I'm going to feel the same way in that it's just like it's just a dude in a fucking mask who gives a shit like I'm not really scared because they keep showing me (laughs) the fucking monster Uh, you know and trust me over time he gets less and less scary it's going to be like Tremors you remember when I was actually terrified in Tremors 1 yeah no I I wasn't (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe that's listed as a horror film (laughs) Tremors scared me as a kid. Like, I remember watching that and okay. being like, oh, maybe the ground isn't safe. You know? <laughs> <laughs> maybe the whole ground, everything that's like, right. you know, below me, not safe. Oh, cool. What an but, interesting concept as a small child. I'll, I'm so sorry. I'll just, I'll just stay up on the couch for a little while longer <laughs> as though they can't get me here. Uh, <laughs> that's so fair. And that's how the floor was lava was invented. Thank you, Tremors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... I I wish I could come up with an example right now, but there's definitely movies that aren't I uh, like Tremors. I know it's supposed to be a horror movie, but it doesn't. It's more like a fun movie. But there's definitely things that scare me that are definitely not supposed to scare me. It's just like mm-hmm. supposed to be like a thing. And then I'm just like, oh, that's the most terrifying thing I've ever seen in my life. Great. Now I have to live with that. And I wish I could come up with an example to give you more specifics, but I can't mm-hmm. unfortunately right now. I, I don't know about you guys, but mine is always there's someone inside the house. Someone's oh, yeah. inside like the when house. a stranger calls. When a stranger calls is not a great movie. The middle <laughs> section is ridiculous, but it's still the scariest movie I've ever seen. Yeah, I think. Cool. The one from the 70s with the girl with the interesting eyes. Yes. Carol Kane. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. She was in Annie Hall that one time. Yeah. Yeah, and Scrooge. She's amazing. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the first like 25 minutes and then the last 10 minutes of that movie scared the shit out of me. Um, yeah. Kai, that's the classic. Uh, the call is coming from inside the house. That's yeah, where that no, that's from. Uh, that's terrifying. I A coworker of mine told me that they had a person steal from them while they were asleep. And that to me is the nightmare. I never want anyone in my house taking my things roaming around me while i'm asleep it's such an invasion of uh, policy privacy (laughs) oh yeah no honestly i'm thinking about getting like some sort of like laser set up around me while i sleep just in case you know nobody wants to fuck with me but then Catherine zeta jones could get you what really what movie was she in where she like dipped beneath lasers oh no entrapment is that entrapment is it jay and silent bob when you go through the 
I'm just looking up uh, Catherine's Edit Jones right now. Good. <laughs> I will say, Kai, I hope this doesn't freak you out, but I, I had a friend. I won't say oh, his name. But I hope it does. He was he was renting a room from um, some woman that owned like a big house. And I think there were a couple different roommates in there. So he was used to different people in the house that he didn't know, like friends of his roommates. And one morning he woke up and looked into the hallway and there was a guy in the hallway, like carrying a box. Yeah. And he just like, he was like half asleep and he was just like, Oh, Hey, how's it going? You know? And then just went back yeah. to sleep, yeah. woke up a few hours later, the whole house had been robbed except for his yep. bedroom. Yep. Yep. Oh my God. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Oh god. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm yep, 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 yep. My okay. my par my parents' <laughs> house, unfortunately my parents' house got robbed like I want to say like 6, 7, 8, who knows how many years ago. Uh Oof. but unfortunately I lost like my my Super NES, uh my Nintendo 64, all of my games. These are the hard hits. My parents, they got like heirlooms and shit. <laughs> I'm sure they're way more upset. <laughs> um <laughs> but like it, the thing that bothers me the most is just not knowing who it was, you know? And I, my right. first thought, yeah. which made my parents really upset that I had, was it sucks that they felt they had to do that. Saying those words to your parents who just got robbed apparently is not a good thing to say. Um, they don't want to hear that. <laughs> but, yeah, somebody robbed my house so bad and they were like, I need all of these Nintendo 64 games with this specific last name written on the top in Sharpie. <laughs> Oh. You can track those down. Oh, they're out there. If anybody sees, uh, uh, like Nintendo sixty four cartridges with the words "banker" on top of them, please hit me up. I really <laughs> love those back. <laughs> Golden Eye. I have Tony Hawk Pro Skater two on Nintendo sixty four. Didn't I'd love that back. Um, I have hit me up. I, I've been reading Animorphs, and because you can't legally buy those anymore because um, uh, they're discontinued by Scholastic. Uh, I had to buy them all secondhand, and they ha all have like names of children in there, and I feel like weirdly skeeved out by that. That this used to be someone else's. Whenever I read, they're named. Mm. Yeah, this is my book. <laughs> I'm an adult. <laughs> I am. This book. Yeah, Just write that, Jim O'Donnell, an adult. <laughs> yeah. <This is> <laughs> Ashley Smith, seven years old. Jim O'Donnell, 29. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> Take that, kid. <laughs> oh, no, rub it in. Um, can both of you help me out with a question? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to figure out why in my notes I wanted to ask you both, uh, what would it be like if your dad was your DJ and what would he play? There was a scene that's applicable to okay. this movie. Help no. me out. Oh, yeah. When he was flipping, when he was on the grill, yeah, there was also music going on. You probably, you probably saw that, and your mind was like, "No, the dad's a DJ," and then yeah. pro and probably wrote down the note, and then looked up and saw that he was grilling, and then didn't bother to correct your note because Great. that's a much awesome. better note than Great. what. What if your dad was a uh, a, a grill master? <laughs> well, we're here now, so I want to know what is your dad putting on? Like what? What is he just being like? Oh, I got this. Let me get this party going. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, given my knowledge of my father, he would play, uh, Karma Chameleon by Culture Club, because in the 80s, he would play that at parties at his apartment mm -hmm. on a loop hundreds of times, oh, yeah. like, <laughs> to torture people, and then most of his guests, because it was the 80s, 
and there were no rules and everyone was on coke and drunk and <laughs> everything you can imagine like they'd get like four hours into the night and they'd be like wait a second i think this song was literally just on <laughs> and my dad'd be like yeah we just played it 90 times so uh true fans if you're listening this is the second time the story has been brought up on the podcast um <laughs> And I've also used to torture people with Montel Jordans. This is how we do it repetitively on playlists. That's how you do it. You just find the song that needs to happen. (laughs) Let everybody know. That's right. This is 25% of the uh, the playlist. It's what you're going to get. I think I'm sure my dad DJed some parties at our house. And um, Mm -hmm. first, it's definitely Beatles or the Stones. And both. A combination of both. Yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. That's pretty Did on you... par. Go ahead. This is a very off uh, off topic question. Did you see that they had the the Beatles documentary, the Peter Jackson one? I haven't well, watched yeah. it yet, <laughs> so I don't know why I'm bringing it up. <laughs> is please tell me Ian Ian McKellen's in it? <laughs> yeah, as Paul McCartney. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see it. So this, I I don't mean to make it heavy or anything like that, but my dad was such a huge Beatles fan, mm-hmm. and. Because he's passed away, it's such a weird thing where I'm like, oh, if I watch this, I'm going to want to talk to him about it. You know what I yep. mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's, yeah. that's the most annoying fucking thing when someone uh, love dies. Yep. Is when something that they yep. really would want to see or hear about yep. happens. And you're like, I was, God damn it. You know? yeah. I was talking uh, like World War II shit about like, I was like at a bar with somebody talking about like my grandpa's like war stories, like random shit that happened. And I was like, you know what? Actually, I don't know that answer. Let me call him. And like, I tried to call him and I was like, oh, yeah. I'm an idiot. That's not oh, hope. You can't yeah. call people that are no longer here on your phone. That's... And I'm like, hang up. That's the hardest hang up. You're like, oh, that's never mind. That's the hardest that's... one. Yeah, that's where the story ends. Sorry, yeah. random person at a bar. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I yeah, I actually had that happen with the the Bill and Ted movie. I had a friend that uh, we used to watch Bill and Ted all the time, and he had passed away. So when the new one came out, I watched it. It was just like, oh, I got to tell Ryan. Oh right, I can't. Yeah. Oh, that's that's a bummer. Or even if you know, like right away, it still makes you mad because you're like, oh, the person that really wants to hear this the most can't hear it, you know? Yeah, the or only person can, I can't tell them, you know. The only person who would really want to talk about this is like, oh man, I can't. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you know what you do, uh, and this is inspired by listening to Ross talk about Toy Story Four by himself. I don't know why I'm thinking about that specifically, but you just make your own podcast episode. You don't have to put it out there, but just review the movie to your pals and like the people you want to tell the movie to. You don't have to put it anywhere. It's just for you. I think I think that's the way to. I think that's my recommendation in this situation. Uh, is yeah, still tell people that's about not it. A, oh, this this just hurt my heart. This idea, but like, what about a podcast where people I don't communicate wanna... with their dead relatives like the they could be called like hey dad um, oh i'm with it no sad? i no, feel sad no. i no i love the yeah, realism that honestly <laughs> it's, it, why not there's there's definitely podcasts about some real fucking shit so i think that that's actually yeah, that's not a bad premise at all yeah yeah especially i i think you might be thinking that because like i for me podcast is like oh it's a comedy podcast no not pot not all podcasts are funny some no, podcasts no, are, that's true. Uh, are touching like jim yeah any listener that's listening idea. to us knows that not all podcasts are funny sometimes we're just like nah fuck that. <laughs> you're gonna listen to us talk yeah. about sad shit for the next 25 minutes deal with it yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, 
If I but make I, Hey Dad the podcast, I'm going to start with like, I don't know why you're listening to this. This is for my dad. In a way on. that it's not a comedy podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just let people all know. Oh, no, I, 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 uh, I don't know why I make, I gotta stop promoting this podcast, but I, I love beautiful anonymous for that exact reason that some episodes are great and oh, comical yeah. and about, uh, fucking, you know, groundhogs day. That's one of my favorite episodes that they have on there. Um, but some episodes are just like real shit, you know, like there's one on there that I haven't been able to listen to about someone losing their child. And I just don't, I'm not in a space to hear that episode right now, but I bet you it's a fucking yeah. great episode. Cause it's just like an hour of realness. Um, yeah. So I'm here for um, more events yeah. or, or like spaces where you can actually do an hour, if not more, of realness. His uh, I he would do that frequently on the Chris Gethard show. Oh, really? Where he he would just go. I, there's one episode that's it's called it's literally called "Let's Get Real," and just someone would call up and be like, "You just like, let's get real. Say say whatever you really <laughs> feel right now." And oh. people get real in that in that episode. That's that's why for a, uh, I forget when I started doing it, but instead of asking people what's good every now and then, I'm like, hey, so what's bad? And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. People always say what's good. I'm like, what's what's going on that's shitty? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I've only gotten a few. Like, I've gotten a few friends to just be like, you want to know what's bad? I'll tell you what's bad. <laughs> uh, and just went off. Uh, and, and I don't know. I'm, I'm once again, I'm here for it. If that's what people need to do. Uh, people need to vent sometimes and also like if you're a person that doesn't mind the venting because i i know i I know people feel this way because i feel this way it's like sometimes you just don't want to burden people with your bullshit but yeah you need to get it out especially if it's like a genuinely heavy thing that is weighing on you you know Mm -hmm. so i was a lift driver for two years yeah (laughs) i like to make sure like i was like by the way i consent to this nonsense two-hour conversation about some real shit about your life go fucking head all the time not to mention i always tried to make sure that if i I was like all right did you want like a share out of that otherwise i'm not going to because like uh yeah you know but i was always down for people to just be like by the way so i survived two occupations in poland would you like to talk about it for the next hour and a half you're like absolutely i do what's up (laughs) uh yeah yeah, you know, shit's gonna get real. It happened a lot of times. Yeah, I like I yeah personally I do love hearing. It sounds like I'm like seeking it out, but I do like when someone like has something heavy on them. It's just like I need to say this, and it's like please, like that's, let let me be the person that listens to it. That's why Tignataro just being like, hey, I have cancer on that fucking thing was such a fucking blow up on the internet is because it was just like, you come out on stage with a bunch of people like, I got cancer. Let's fucking clown this out and see where this goes and not knowing what's going to happen. Um, I think it's, I don't know. It's, I, I'm always a fan of the comedy meets. All right, guys. Hey, so you know how tragedy you're supposed to like take a, like a certain amount before you bring it to comedy. I'm going to do it right now and see how that works out. I'm just going to bring the track. <laughs> it does not always work out. I've learned that. Yeah. It works out when you, you know, write it well. Yeah. No, that's that's. Super well, that real. special was like pretty improvised, right? Didn't she just get mm-hmm. up and just riff? And you Some, can yeah. feel that it's yeah, it's new. Like oh, I, yeah. I, I haven't heard it in a long time, but you can feel like she's, she's just she's she's yeah. realizing her situation as oh, yeah. she's on stage. You know, someone's like yeah. Yahoo, and she's like Yahoo is right, just to like this whole <laughs> right. serious situation. Uh, oh, the I, best part of that special is when she goes, is this like 
too much and then someone from the audience goes no we love this <laughs> thank you for bathing in my tragedy i'm glad you enjoy it it was that was such a I, I always felt that was such a beautiful moment when that when that person was like no this is the best i mean kind this of this is I, truly I, beautiful i don't i just kind of at this point in my life i really only fucks with jaded people to a certain degree i have a really hard time with people who haven't experienced much hardship i don't need you to experience like a really tragic loss or anything like that but if your hardest thing is like yeah, I was at Taco Bell, and then some guy cut in line. <laughs> like, I'm not going to be able to really vibe with you too right. hard, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I mean, that's kind of just... That's where it's at. That's why I feel like I would definitely get along with Freddie. <laughs> yeah. Or Mark Patton. That's the other thing that I love about Screen Queen, is he's, like, just so... Uh, I'm sorry, I just brought it back there. No. Well, you said Freddie first, but... I... uh, uh Fair call out. He just gets, he's so honest and so candid and he's had a really hard life, even aside from like wh- how the movie business spit him up and chewed him out. But um, yeah. yeah, he's not always in that movie. It's kind of a vanity project, which I don't always like, um, but I feel like he's kind of earned a reclamation yeah. and he's not always that he's not like a perfect guy. Like there's moments when like, he's a little too self-obsessed. Like, there's a moment where the director tells him, like, you need to get over this. You're holding on to the shit that's, you know, 35 years old. And he, like, accepts it. He's still really likable because um, he's just being he's being himself. He's being honest and dealing with, like, the heavy the heaviness. That's um, I find that really interesting because not a lot of people are brave enough to show themselves as s- s- flawed. Like, oh, yeah, I yeah. think he does. Like, a lot of people are like a lot of people are able to be like, well, the these shitty things happen to me and it's like it's re- it was really hard for me but it's hard for people to be like i caused this little section yeah of my life i made this i made this wrong it's always interesting seeing those people in documentaries and and also in life but there would it would be a better world if there was more just a general vibe of like please correct me if i'm wrong I mean, like it's not everyone's responsibility to correct you. You should pay attention to see if you're wrong. <laughs> like, re- right, like read right. the room, <laughs> do some research yeah. for sure. But if you're not at least walking into the space with like a, hey, if you tell me I'm a fucking asshole, I might, you know, I'll listen up. What's up? <laughs> I think I'm maybe I do it too much, but I think a little qualifier goes a long way. With like, just so you know, I may not know what the fuck I'm talking about, but here's here's something, you know, take it or leave it. Yeah. yeah. Certainly yeah, not a specialist. <laughs> I always, I always kind of like the phrase "correct me if I'm wrong," because, right. <laughs> like, I'm saying I don't know, and please, I would like to know if you know the actual answer. But correct me if I'm wrong. I was appreciative, and I think, I think I've brought this up before on the podcast too. But one of the things I really appreciated early on in improv was being instructed that like it's really a big. D- if someone takes the time to come up to you to tell you that like the thing you did really didn't sit right with them, and it didn't like it was something to examine, like just. Don't give them an empty apology. Like, just go, don't distance yourself from it. Like, that's, like, the most thing that's important is just, like, that you're not on team bad guy. But, like, actively just be like, oh, cool. Like, thank you. Like, I appreciate you taking the time to, like, to talk to me. Like, I'd love to talk to you about this in the future. Like, if you're down to do that, like, I really want to, like, chew on this. Like, thank you. Like, just accept that you did a thing, maybe. (laughs) We're all going to say shit, you know, that doesn't, like, always, you know, echo out of us, right? We're like, old opinion. Oh, I'm so sorry. Can I pull that one back into my mouth? (laughs) 
And yep. also give people the benefit of the doubt, because chances are good that person didn't mean to offend in any way. Well, right. except there's usually, in a one-on-one, there's usually one guy that came to Always one. He's Always one. material. Yeah. But the nice yeah. thing about that Wait, no, guy is say this. <laughs> Yeah, the nice thing about that one weirdo is that everyone else bands together and kind of like mm-hmm. bonds over the weirdo in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you haven't had that experience, guess who you might be? You know? Yeah. Oh shit. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're I, lucky, by class four, that person stops returning. You know, you hope at least yes. by class four that person that, stops coming. Right. That is kind of the self-correcting nature of improv. Is people just when someone is kind of a dick they the the community just kind of go i I just don't want to play with you so yeah and they and then they kind of get the hint you know yeah i did have i i actually did have one of those moments after my 101 which 101 like you you sit you're still testing things out i was a one-armed man and it was and then the the joke of the scene was that i had one arm and then kelso came up to me and was like after the show and was like by the way, just so you know, like that's kind of punching down on uh, 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 people with one arm. And I was like, and I remember feeling very frustrated with myself immediately and being like, mm-hmm. oh, I shouldn't have done that. And then, but like the way Kelsa was so like, you know, I know you're not a bad person, but like, here it is. I, I did feel like, okay, I now know to not do that. I, I now know yeah. the idea of punching, uh, punching down and mm-hmm. uh, punching yeah. up and things like that. Yeah, and Kel- that yeah, Kelso did that totally right because yeah, it's not like no, I don't think you're in. Hell. I don't think you sit awake at night and like, how can I really stick it to these amputees? Like, <laughs> no that's a classic Jim O'Donnell, yeah. you know. That's just how he is. <laughs> Everyone who's been listening knows that about him. He hates women and he hates <laughs> amputees. Stop making misogynistic. I'm not. <laughs> Sorry, it's a long running bit. He doesn't hate women. Anyways, you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, these amputees have had it too good for too long (laughs) (laughs) all right now that's the quote you're now you're fucked (laughs) i I, I won't do that That is no, I, like yeah. perfectly in nature of what the quotes are supposed to be but it's also really no. awful to do that <laughs> no I, I think that's awesome that uh that council took the second to do that to take the time to actually like do that in that way and also just to like this is a weird like parallel but like whenever people would be like bummed about me correcting them about my pronouns when i changed them to they them at the time and i'm sure i'm just going to be going through that because i'm also changing them to she her and they them at the moment uh it, it, it's just becomes a like if I'm explaining it to you, chances are you matter enough for me to want to explain. Like, the fact that I give a shit that you, you, you know, like, are the person that, right. like, I, I care. I care that you, the you, you person that I have a relationship with, it matters to me that you do this. You know, like, that's, I mean it as semi-compliment. <laughs> you know, like, you're in my right, circle. Yeah, yeah. You're in my people. I want you to, <laughs> I want you to be one of the ones that I don't just go, ah, I don't give a shit if they, what they fucking think, or if their proximity to me, or whatever, like, it's just my fucking mailman, you know? But maybe I like my mailman and want them to get my pronouns right. Uh, I might tell them. Who knows? If we get there, I'm, I hope, one day. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but this entire time that I was fantasizing about what my mailman looked like, I just kept looking at Jim thinking my mailman. <laughs> I just used you as my, through that whole thing, like, tip of the hat. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> If anyone am, can see what Jim O'Donnell looks like, go to his Facebook page. He's a perfect mailman stock image. <laughs> I, I've, 
I've been told in my life that I'm like the stock image of a person, like a white man, like and like I'm the template because so many people come up to me and like either when I meet them, they go, oh, you remind me of someone else I know or uh, people I know for a while. They'll go, I thought I saw you at a bar. It's so I this has happened to me way too much that it's like not a coincidence. I'm sorry, Jim. <laughs> it's um. It's also become it became a running joke at my work that I was one of many different clones. Uh, so if I left the room, I'd be like, and, and another Jim will be in pretty soon. And then I'd come back and be like, "Hello, it's nice to meet all of you." Not a very good bit, but a bit nonetheless. Mm. No, but you're like the the Truman Show fuck up. You know, there's just a bunch of you. Is what you're saying. The, like yes, if we pay attention, yes. we'll realize that we're it's it's all being made just for us. Jim's not real, everybody, is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Every Jim you see is not real. <laughs> I now don't trust my own host. Great. <laughs> I do but I do I've even seen people in bars and been like, That guy looks like me. Is what that am me? I doing over there? <laughs> what am I doing here? That's strange. Um uh, I think it's about that time. Uh, does anyone have any uh, final notes they want to talk about? Uh, I'm always happy to vamp. I'm always happy uh, to edit later and cut out the horrible silence that is us just meandering, looking through our notes. Yeah, yeah. Alrighty, sure. I will be vamping. Uh, well, I already did the question about the DJ thing. Oh, I, I wrote down mine. dads and their chairs. Am I right? What is up with dads and their chair? Did anyone see this? Like the dad, like he's just just. You're not going oh. out. You got to clean out your room. This is me in my chair. I'll be here all night. <laughs> it, the scene where the bird explodes. Yeah. And oh they, God, for the... some reason, blame him. <sighs> yeah. Well, I mean, logically, if your bird explodes, who are you going to blame, Jim? Oh, uh, my son. Yeah. Duh. <laughs> Everyone knows. A classic tale. Uh, I liked everything at the barbecue. That was weird and unexpected. Mm. Um. Freddy's yeah, just like- out and about. Yeah. One of the few times he's out in the real world. I did like that. All these kids aren't scarred the next day. I love how everyone's just like, ah, fuck it. You know, shit happens. Am I right? You know, like sometimes some half just like burned mer- like person with scary hands just shows up at your barbecue. Anyways, high school. Oh, um, you know what else I liked? I liked the opening when the, the school bus is perched on top of that like long. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. This thing. I know that's probably like a small, oh. like a tiny model or something, but I thought oh, that oh, looked yeah. really good. That's actually whenever I think about this movie, that's the shot I think of. Yeah. Uh, like if you were to say uh, when you say Nightmare on Elm Street two, I immediately think of the 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 bus on the uh, the pillar. It it made me think of like Roller Coaster Tycoon of just like bringing the square all the way up and then just like putting a person on it. Um, maybe I'm a terrible person. Yeah, we all did it. We're all terrible kids. Yeah, yeah. We're just like, all right, why don't you hang out up there? You know what? You haven't been going on enough rides lately. Why don't you just think about what you did? <laughs> hang up in the square. In the Sims, when you would just take the door away from her room. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? No, take a timeout. Uh, no, that was that was definitely a solid shot. Why would there I raise break- a? I'm sorry, go ahead. There was a girl on TikTok who was playing uh, The Sims where she wanted her her sim to give birth a hundred times or something like that. Jesus. So she had them like dating men and then for no reason at all, she put them in the basement and just lo- removed the door. So they just had a hundred men in the basement and then a hundred children upstairs. That's like a, oh, that's, that's nightmarish. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. All right. This is another help me out question because I watched the movie and don't remember why I wrote this note. Uh, Coca-Cola helping people not get murdered or helping people not murder. Sorry. Coca-Cola helping people not murder. Coca-Cola. Why would I write that? Because there was a heavy Coca-Cola ad in the middle of this movie. Yeah, product placement. I don't remember the context, though, where it saved somebody's life. All right, listeners, this is where if you're watching along with us, you actually message us at RottenTreasurePodcast at gmail.com. You can also call me. My phone number is – I would never put that on a fucking podcast episode. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Figure out how to contact me and tell me the real answer. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. What (laughs) – that, that does remind me of one of my favorite things Rachel said. My girlfriend, uh, in the middle of the movie, she just says, he's drinking a lot of milk. And that was the friend had four cartons of milk and compared to everyone else's one carton of milk. <laughs> I did not catch that. Um, but I had a note here that I really liked that just says, I like the part where Freddy knocks the china off the shelf like a cat. And that was him being, <laughs> that was his version of being menacing. <laughs> He's like, ah, I'm gonna get you, Jesse. Knocked a knock a plate over. And then they're like, no. <laughs> I think that's when she stabs him too. Right. Oh, you're you make me want to be a menace in my own home now. I don't do that, but I feel like as an adult, at one point, I do need to make eye contact while knocking something off a shelf, like with a human <laughs> being. You know, <laughs> you know mm-hmm. this. It won't break, hopefully, but I'm gonna knock it down. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this isn't a, a note about the movie, but it's a gay moment in my life today that I wanted to tell you both about, because inspired, inspired by this movie. Uh, I was at a uh, drive-thru today with for my coworkers, and uh, one of the people, uh, the, you know, this woman in the back uh, seat of my car who I'm working with, my coworker, she was, uh, she was like, yeah, some guy, like, called me baby girl. And I was like, ugh, great, I hate that. So, like, some guy was like, hey, mister, you know, like, thank you so much. And, I, and like, at the end of the, uh, the cash, I was like, all right, have a good one, baby girl. <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> I I felt so good dropping that on a stranger today. Um, I I my coworker Cal was just like, I'm gonna need a minute to process what just happened. <laughs> uh, but apparently, I didn't. You just if you say these things to the cashier, you just drive away. You don't look to see what they say. But apparently, I stunned this person. Um, the look I was told by my coworker was one of just someone being like, "Huh, maybe I am, baby girl." like seemed very stunned by it and like taking a minute with it (laughs) so if you're out there baby girl i hope you enjoyed this episode (laughs) (laughs) um random dude (laughs) i don't think i'd mind being a stranger's baby girl and be like oh all right yeah someone likes me (laughs) (laughs) oh thank you (laughs) i don't think i'll ever i don't for the record i don't think i'll ever be calling anyone baby girl for the rest of my life (laughs) they deserve it either either they've earned it in a good way or a bad way right exactly (laughs) (laughs) i like that couldn't go both ways yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) we'll see we'll see it might happen on the podcast again um all right is there anything else anybody have any notes want anything they wanted to make sure you get on the podcast episode uh, I had one last thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wrote down: Did she redo her makeup on the way to the power plant? Because oh, wow. she was, was she was crying, sweating. She was in mm-hmm. the pool, and right. it was really hot. She right. had stabbed Freddie. Her makeup was everywhere. She gets to the power plant; it's perfect. And but I was Jim, like, she she had to redo that. There's yeah. no way that yeah. <laughs> like she like wiped it away and was like, there we go. 
well, Jim, they have to prove at the end that you're supposed to be attracted to women. So we got to make sure they look attractive before we do their final scene. Come on. I would have loved to have seen a scene of her driving the car frantically while <laughs> while putting on a uh, mascara. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big day. Big day. <laughs> got to look fresh. <laughs> I don't know who's going to be at this power plant. <laughs> <laughs> Big scary cat man? I don't know. Could happen. <laughs> <laughs> he is a big scary cat man. Oh, all right. Well, hey, we're at that other point where uh, I would love for you to take a moment and share the things in the world with people uh, either you're interested in, that you love, things you're doing. Uh, what say you? Uh, me? <laughs> Yeah, sorry, Rob. Yes, I should have been very specific. Oh, I don't give a shit what Jim's yeah. doing or what Jim cares about <laughs> promoting or wants to talk about at all. <laughs> uh, do you know when, roughly when this episode will come out? Uh, five weeks from now, yeah. Oh, okay, all right. I have a thing on uh, December 18th. Okay. Um, the Future is performing, and if you're listening to this now, you missed it. So <laughs> mm. sh- sh- shame yeah. on you. Yep, you, you missed did. it. Oh, we marked you did, you were there and it, you had a great time. I will be there and have will have had a great time. Yay! Um, it, yeah, there's a bunch a, of shows. It will have been in our stories. I know how math works, unfortunately, on this one, and it will have been in our stories. Let's put it that way. It's a sneak. You will have already gone to the show because I put it in our story, and you're you pay attention to our Instagram, everybody who's listening. Uh, but yes, it, it will have been in the past. We've promoted stuff. I think. Uh, we did that uh, with Andrew Delis. We were like, uh, on this date, you will have missed this show. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so that's going on. I think that's the only like performance thing I have. But then also sometime in January, uh, I forget the exact date that it starts, but it's Sundays at noon. I'm teaching a, um, a class for like intermediate to advanced improvisers. Oh, yeah. um, it's just on like premise polls. It's called Improv Inspired By. That's at Crossroads Comedy Theater. And yep. you can get more info at it's X, the letter X, roadscomedy.com. Uh, okay, and yeah, other than that, I'm yeah. s- sitting on my couch with my cats. So do you, is that inviting people over to hang out with you while you sit on your couch with your cats? or? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, it was very much so like, in case you need me, you know, like that's where yep. I'll be. <laughs> Hit me up. This is where yeah. I am. You're coming to me. I can't <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anybody who's listening, if you haven't already started following uh, Crossroads, uh, X Roads Comedy, I believe, on Instagram, uh, there's been enough people on this podcast and enough of the my descriptions that people should be paying attention to uh, mm-hmm. that have led them to do that. So absolutely. Yes, do that. Um, yeah, you are an amazing improviser and a wonderful human in general. And I really just genuinely appreciate your time. Uh, anybody oh, who has the opportunity you. to do that should do that. Uh, both as just an opportunity to just, you know, be around a good human, but also to have the opportunity to just have some fun and be educated by people who have been doing the silly make ups for a long fucking time. Uh, you know your shit. Uh, I can say that. Go go out there, oh, folks. Thanks. Go to this class. Um, I'm it's telling... easy breezy. It's, yeah. Truly the cover girl of improv uh, classes. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy. It's breezy. It's beautiful. Uh, well, that's my folks... policy. I could be at home on the couch with my cats. If we're not having fun, <laughs> that's where I'll be. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, thank you, everybody, uh, so much for listening. Thank you so much for being here, Rob. We appreciate your time and energy. Uh, next week, we're going to continue on this journey. Uh, Jim's going to have to help me out with the specific Nightmare on Elm Street name of the third one. What is it? Oh, I think it's um, – I think that one's the Dream Warriors. 
Great. There's three dream ones in a row. Well, we'll be back. We'll talk about some dreams and some warriors. Uh, we're going to be uh, having Bill Rick on the episode. So uh, for those of you who know who Bill Rick is, uh, you now know that. And for those of you who don't, you'll find out. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much. That's Go Go Gadget podcast is over. And that <laughs> is totally not my <laughs> podcast ending. I stole that from Ross. <laughs> Woo. All right. Great. Yeah. Um, oh, Thank I you actually, so much, hold on. actually, Rob, if I'm not oh. mistaken, I asked you to just uh, rant at the end if you have a quick couple things you want to be pissed off about. Oh, yeah. What else am I pissed off about? Oh, just traffic, just noise outside. <laughs> right? noise, you, know. yeah. you say noise outside? That. Yeah. yeah. Rude drivers, lots mm-hmm. of rude drivers lately. Like, if someone's pulling out of a Wawa parking lot, you know, like, it's not easy to see. Slow down. Right. These are all old man rants. I saw a rheumatologist <laughs> today. So my, my rants are getting increasingly angry. I understand yeah. you need your hoagie, but chill the fuck out. Slow down, you right. know? Mm. <laughs> These kids on my lawn are just way too loud. <laughs> mm. Oh, trust yep. me. I'm very excited to be there. I can't wait to yell at everyone that's near the proximity of my home. Mm. All right, that's the end of the podcast. Goodbye, everyone. (laughs) You guys, thanks for having me. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook at Rotten Treasure. And on Instagram at Rotten underscore Treasure. And on Twitter at Rotten Treasure. And go to Patreon.com slash Rotten Treasure for bonus episodes, early episode release, and a vote for the next series. And be sure to give us a five-star rating and review us on any of your available podcast apps. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks. Perfect.